The reading is from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 to 6, and verses 29 to 5, verse 7. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and in all and through all. And verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every other form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ God forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. But among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be any obscenity, foolish talk or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. This is God's word. Good evening, everyone. Uh, my name is uh, Matt Fuller. But uh, for the church family, you'll know that uh, we've been working our way, well, doing this topical series. And some people love topical series. Oh, I like it, topical thing. We're talking about the same thing for four weeks. And others say, oh, not proper sermons, because um, we're not working our way through uh, a section of the scriptures consecutively. Well, if you like them, I'm afraid it comes to an end. If you don't like them, you'll be delighted. And uh, next week, we start in uh, 2 Samuel, which will take us through uh, the summer. But it is the last one, so as Liz mentioned, we'll do a little Q&A, hopefully um, clear up perhaps one or two things. Uh, I think my main comment will be over the series and the comments uh, that people have made. <laughs> the, the, the most, right, two things, I'll come to one, let me say two things that I've heard more than anything else. Uh, one, the other lot do friendship better. So I've heard numerous times, oh, but women are better at friendships than men, aren't they? And I've heard just as many times, yeah, but men are better at friendships than women, aren't they? And you think, well, the other team are having more fun. Um, what's going on there? But it's sort of, uh, there's sort of cliches, and I'm not making any value judgments on these statements. These are just things people have said to me. Uh, but, um, oh, well, yeah, women are better at friendships, aren't they? Because they, uh, they ask better questions. Or uh, they open up more readily. And the other side, side, that's a bit pejorative, isn't it? But uh, um, the other lot uh, would say, yeah, but, but, but men are better at friendships because um, uh, they just forgive more quickly. They just get over it. 
uh, and they're better at being blunt. Hey, you're doing something stupid. Stop it, you idiot. Um, whereas us women, we're a bit nervous that we're going to upset them, so we don't say anything. So um, they're better at friendship than we are, aren't they? Just so you know, lots of people think that. I assume that men and women, in some sort of generalizations, do friendships a little bit different. But um, there it is. That may or may not be interesting. But it made me smile. Let me pray, and then uh, we'll think about uh, topic tonight. Friends, forgive. Friends, forgive. And great God and Father, we thank you and praise you. We've sung already of the forgiveness that we know through the Lord Jesus Christ if we belong to him. And it's a wonderful thing. And it's a great open secret of the Christian life that to forgive others, we need to dwell upon how we've been forgiven. Father, help us to do that tonight so we are more readily to forgive. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, uh, last week, uh, someone was visiting, um, uh, uh, Linda Alcock from The Globe was visiting, and I uh, was chatting to her afterwards, she always very, I love it, love it, friendships and all those things, and I said, oh, yes, um, you've got a great example, Linda, of uh, female friendships in, in Christian history, because like, tonight we had like Tolkien and, and Lewis, and we've had uh, others. She said, yeah, well, what about Hannah Moore? Well, I don't know about her. Here's a biography. So... Hannah Moore. Uh, Hannah Moore, um, there she is uh, on the left. She was part of um, the Clapham sect. So William Wilberforce's gang that drove through um, uh, the end of the slave trade in 1807. She was, and I think in her day this was a compliment, known as a powerhouse in a petticoat. Not a phrase we'd get away with perhaps today, but in her day, she was a formidable operator who um, was the sort of admin and driving force, relentless energy, partly uh, behind uh, Wilberforce and the gang driving through uh, slavery. Uh, She ran a girls' school um, and uh, educating young women in the faith and in I don't know, etiquette and all those things, I presume, uh, in the 19th century. Um, and uh, she stepped back from that and handed it on to a much younger woman, Selena Mills. Uh, and they were very good and dear friends. Although um, when, when Hannah retired, they're about 30-odd years uh, apart in age. She handed it on to Selena Mills. The other protagonist, who I don't have a photo of, her younger sister, Hannah Moore's younger sister, Patty, was, uh, was a surprise in the family, so 17 years uh, younger. She was almost a, a peer with Selena Mills, and they became inseparable friends. So no photo of Patty, but Patty and Selena, just inseparable. Uh, and indeed, in that way that people perhaps in their early 20s do make rash promises, they swore to one another that we would never get married because we want to be best friends forever, and that might ruin it. Um, and it's sort of great, yeah, it's very, don't promise that, all right? Um, that's not so wise. The problem came when uh, this young man, Zach McCauley, came on the scene. <laughs> oh, yes. The silver fox. <laughs> and uh, these two fell for one another. And, um, you know, it's, it's, the, uh, it's the early 1800s, and, uh, but, you know, it's not a sort of... No texting or sexting or anything inappropriate. You know, there's, there's, you know, how do you communicate through chaperones? And anyway, so both knew Hannah Moore, and they said, "Well, Hannah Moore, I'm very keen on Selena Mills," and and she said, "I'm very keen on on uh, Zachary McCauley. And um, Hannah Moore said, "Yeah, don't get your hopes up. The other one doesn't like you." 
She just lied to protect her younger sister, Patty, who knew would be upset if her best chum, Selena, got married. So she lied. I mean, that's terrible. Uh, but anyway, in God's providence, they uh, bumped into one another at some stepping out occasion um, of, of, the, uh, of, of the period and uh, realized actually they were quite keen and they got together and they married and uh, uh, all was well in, in their relationship. But then what do you do if you're Selena Mills and you find out you're your old friend and this woman you've looked up to, Hannah Moore, she is the most impressive Christian woman you know who's driving through slavery and is edu- You look up to She's just lied? I mean, not about something insignificant, like the guy you've fallen for, he doesn't like you. She's just lied. And uh, anyway, I read this little biography. There's this sweet line in there. When all was discovered and the truth came out, Selina and Hannah determined to remain friends, knowing it was a precious thing. And a few years later, Selina asked Hannah to be godmother to their son which is very lovely. Why do I tell you that? I think that's quite a big deal to forgive in a friendship. You got this deal. That's quite a betrayal, isn't it? To lie on something quite so significant and a bloke who goes on to be your husband. I think that's a big deal to get over. But they resolved, we're not going to give up on this friendship. We determine it's of precious value together. And that's really what we're thinking on tonight. Fourth and last, in, uh, as we think about friendship, we thought friends um, turn up. They're there for one another, speak up, uh, deliver truth, um, sometimes not desired. Friends give themselves away. It's a generous act. It's not all about me uh, and what I can get. And crucially tonight, friends forgive and uh, what we're going to do is just think a little bit about one verse in Ephesians chapter 4. We've got Reddit to get the flow, I guess. But one verse, chapter 4, verse 32, and then apply it to four different elements. Okay? So really, our big headline is, friends forgive as they've been forgiven. Let's look at that. Uh, uh, Ephesians chapter 4. We had it read from verses 1 and 2 because um, they're the headline over, over the second half of, of the book, bearing with one another in love. There's sort of great, honest, biblical realism there. Basically, people are really annoying, and you have to bear with them if you're going to get on at all and, and live like. Well, yeah, that's just honest realism there. But central, and what are we thinking about tonight, is chapter 4 and verse 32. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Verse 32, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Now, there are many ways you could cut it. Let me suggest four ways that the Christian knows they've been forgiven. One, undeservedly. God doesn't say, well, I'm looking at this individual and, um, yeah, they do some good and they do some bad, but on balance, pretty decent. So on balance, they're worthy of forgiveness. No, absolutely undeserving, you and me. No good that justifies 
being forgiven by the Lord. No, we probably deserve it given our history of how we've related. Not at all. It's absolutely, completely undeserved. Undeservedly, you might say another proactively, God takes the initiative in, in Jesus Christ. It's not that we go to him and say, look, we think we've got a bit of a, I've got a problem here. You and I are not, we're out of kilter with one another. Can you, can you help? Can we sort this out? He takes the initiative. God himself comes down to earth in the Lord Jesus. He comes for us when we're his enemies. Undeservedly. Proactively. Repeatedly. The Lord never reaches the point of just saying, oh, enough. I'm just done. I had this much forgiveness, but you've just, yeah, I'm done. I've just had it with you. I can't, that's the final straw. No, there's forgiveness again and again and again. Repeatedly, he forgives. Oh, he's a good father, God. He'll try to train us, change us, improve us so we're a bit more like him. But we fall and there's forgiveness again. Undeservedly, proactively, repeatedly. And then, of course, the last thing, perhaps costly. It's a great cost. I read in the week uh, uh, in the US then, uh, President Biden is proposing uh, forgiving student debt for um, uh, the, the most needy, the, the, the lowest earners. And it's going to cost the country if the bill goes through, which possibly won't. But um, 400 billion, which is more than I earn a year. Um, uh, I mean, that's an extraordinary amount of money. Just We're going to forgive that debt. Just wipe it out. But the Christian knows that is, that's a drop in the ocean compared to the cost that the Lord Jesus bore, that God himself would enter this world. Sorry, he'd leave eternal glory and enter this world as a frail human being. And then in, upon the cross, endure God's just punishment against billions of people across the world and throughout the centuries in one intense experience. That's a cost. And again, the open secret of being able to forgive others is you dwell upon what you've been forgiven before you look at what you have to forgive someone else. So those are before. How are we forgiven? Undeservedly, proactively, repeatedly. It's costly. And I just want to keep those four in mind as we push it into four areas. And really, we're just thinking about friendship, again, because it's a topical series. Just four aspects of friendship. Um, when a friend lets you down, when trust has been broken, when expectations are mismatched, and because you need friends. Let's work through them briefly. First then, forgive. Forgive when a friend lets you down. Now, the Proverbs observes, like a broken tooth or a lame foot is reliance upon the unfaithful in a time of trouble, like one who takes away a garment on a cold day, or like vinegar poured on a wound is one who sings songs to a heavy heart. Well, the two different sort of examples there, uh, two different levels. Verse 20, that's someone, they just get it wrong, right? They've just got that wrong. Hey, you've, you've had a bad experience, but let's just go out and have a good time. No, no, you've just got that wrong. Actually, right now, I need someone to sit with me and grieve with me. Well, forgive them. They just 
get it wrong. They fail to take time to understand you. That's poor, but forgive. Verse 19 is a bit more serious, though, isn't it? Um, like a broken tooth or a lame foot is reliance on the unfaithful in a time of trouble. I needed you and you weren't there. And I thought we were close friends and you just weren't there. So look, I, I mentioned a few weeks ago, week one, one uh, miserable time in our life with this little girl that came to us with an adopted age, three months, and was lived with us for a year. Then the adoption order was overturned and, and said goodbye. Um, uh, and it broke us. And I won't revisit that as a story. Some were great, some friends. There was one friend in particular who just wasn't there, just didn't show, didn't call, didn't turn up. And that was weird. It was like, what's weird? And uh, eventually, I, a number of weeks down the line, I did see them and said, what happened? I needed you and you just, you weren't there. And the comment was, I, I just was nervous about saying the wrong thing. So I decided not to say anything. Yeah, I think you got that wrong. Okay, uh, I think I did get that wrong. Sorry. And then you can move on, and you can rebuild. But of course, in, that, in this arena, as in every area or aspect of forgiveness, th there's always two stages to it. One, if you're the offended party, you, you offer forgiveness. But if it's not accepted, I, am, I see, I've, I've wronged you, and I repent then there can be no reconciliation. It's just an open wound. God himself says, I offer you forgiveness. It's at the point where we say, yes, I need your forgiveness. I repent. Please forgive me, Lord, that there's reconciliation. Until that point, he offers forgiveness, but we're not reconciled. And it's the same in human dynamics. I, I think you got that wrong. Well, I don't think I did. Well, there's no reconciliation there. Um, or the naff, I think you got that wrong. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry if you were upset, which is the most frustrating apology ever because it's not an apology, it's rubbish. Um, uh, I think you got that wrong. Yeah, I see that now, I'm sorry. Then you can be reconciled. Right? But forgive, 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 forgive. Forgive if someone lets you down. What about another one? Forgive when trust has been broken. Here's another example from the Proverbs. Whoever would foster love covers over an offense, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. Um, well, yeah, that's an interesting one. Uh, Proverbs just says here, be careful. If you repeat confidential info or if someone annoys you and you just then blurt it out to lots of others, you're, you're going to damage the friendship. There's no honesty is going to disappear. I caught up with someone the other day. Well, it was last month. And um, we were close friends. We see one another maybe three or four times a year now. That's just circumstances, different parts of the world. Um, and uh, I said, all right, actually, there's something I want to tell you, but I'm a bit embarrassed. You, you know, please don't repeat this because I'm a bit embarrassed by this. And he said, hey, come on. When have I ever let you down? 
Matt, it's a safe space. Um, and I thought, yeah, fair enough. That's a good comment. You know, you've, you've not let me down ever. It is safe. I can tell you all sorts of things. Yeah, okay. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, it's fair, it's fair enough. But when you're just a bit nervous about something, you're going you're gonna to blurt. I said both sides is a bit understandable, uh, perhaps. But if someone does let you down, forgive. Got to be realistic. Trust takes time to rebuild. You can't say if you're the uh, offender, um, right, well, I've said sorry to you now, so can we just go back to how we were? Uh-uh-uh. Takes time to rebuild trust. If you break someone's trust, it's a bit like, um, you know, not so much we did get to do this in the UK, but uh, sometimes in, in winter a lake will freeze over and you're like, wait, I'm, I'm walking on the water, I'm like Jesus, um, uh, and it's all frozen, and uh, it's fine. If all of a sudden you're walking on a frozen lake and it goes, Right. Oh, now I'm just a little bit more nervous about it. And relationships are like that. Yeah, 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 I'll tell you stuff, and I'll be honest with you, and share my life, and oh, you've told someone else. Oh, I'm just, just a bit nervous now. We don't go back to how we were. Uh, we can't just revert. It'll take some time to get there. But forgive undeservedly, proactively, Repeatedly, costly. And at this point, let me just distinguish also between um, perhaps disappointment and betrayal. If a friend disappoints you, it's not necessarily like a, a deep flaw in them, right? And uh, uh, sometimes, you know, you've let me down. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, I, start, I got that wrong. They, people, dis, everyone disappoints you at some point in life, right? So expect it of your friends. If you marry, expect it of your spouse. Expect it of your parents. Expect it of your children. Expect it of your taxi driver. They all let you down, right? Um, every, everyone, it's disappointing. It's not a betrayal. I think betrayal, there needs to be some sort of deliberate hypocrisy, deliberate calculating, um, going against. Uh, and sometimes, just over the years here, I I'm done with her. She's betrayed me. Well, yeah, she's let you down. I see that. But I think it was inadvertent. I think it was clumsy. She should have known better, but I'm not sure. Betrayal's a bit strong. Come on. I think you can come back from that. But forgive undeservedly, proactively, repeatedly, costly. It may take time. Selena Mills, she didn't forgive Hannah Moore the next day. Oh, by the way, we're now engaged. Uh, oh no, I meant to forgive you. Um, it took a while, it took a while for that relationship to calm down, but they worked through it. Look, forgive when a friend lets you down. Forgive when trust has been broken. Forgive when expectations are mismatched. Maybe this is a bit naughty, this one. Those who work their land will have abundant food. Those who chase fantasies will have their fill of poverty. That is a comment upon finances and working hard to plan a living. I just want to say, do remember you have to work at friendships. They are a bit like plants, particularly in this weather. If you don't water a friendship, it'll just wither and die, right? Just like all the plants will do at the moment. They do need some watering. But um, friendships take time. They just do, so you have to be realistic on that. My friend sent this card, no, excuse me, my wife sent this card to a friend. I thought it was quite a nice one, so oh, before you 
lick the envelope. Let me take a photo of that. I'll use it at some point in a sermon. I don't know how. Um, here it is. Uh, this was at the start of the month. I don't know if you can see it. It's a big old oak tree or some old gnarly tree. It takes a long time to grow an old friend. Right. You just got to be realistic on that. All right. As I said, whenever it was, uh, you, you can have old friends in your 40s and 50s. You can't have old friends when you're 20 because you're just not old, right? There are some benefits to getting old. There are some good things about being young as well. Don't get competitive. But it takes a long time to grow an old friend. So sometimes I think people uh, get this a little bit wrong. I can imagine times or thought, seen times over the years here, not quite as succinct as, as this, but essentially a conversation which is, you've let me down and I expected more from you. Yeah, but hold on a minute. We've only known one of the three months. Um, I think, what? Uh, I'm like 40 years older than you. I'm not sure we're ever going to be like the best of mates. I think you just, what? Um, sometimes people are unrealistic in what they expect. If we go back to our, our friendship circles, which have been our friend um, uh, for most of this month, okay? you will be distressed if you, someone who's really just an acquaintance, you think or treat as a confidant who can be there all the time, that central circle, right, of, of, of the closest one, two, three, you can only have a small number of confidants you share your life with, you take with you through, through all of life. But if you're expecting that sort of level of friendship from someone you don't know super well, you're going to get upset. I don't think that's anyone's fault. I just think you're being unrealistic uh, with that. Um, to be a good friend, you've got to have, or close friend, you, you need to have shared quite a lot of life together. There, there needs to be some sort of um, mutual sharing. It's not just all one-way traffic. You offload onto them. You sort of, they help you, and you help them, and they come to you for advice. And for that sort of level of real confidence, there needs to be some sort of reciprocity, I think, in the friendship, not just one way. So forgive when expectations are mismatched. Often that's just a clumsiness. Now let me comment upon one particular thing here. The other, apart from men do friendships better, women do friendships better. The other thing I've heard more, or more comment I've had more than any other is, can you, I don't know why I get to adjudicate on such things, but here's anyway, here's my thoughts, what it's worth. Can you comment on male-female friendships which aren't marriage? Um, well, I can comment. You may not like the comments. They may not be very sensible, but I, I can certainly comment. Uh, um, can men and women be really good friends? This is the question, I think. Which the, well, it depends how you want to ask the question. Yes, of course. I think my wife is my best friend in some ways. Not in others, um, but in some ways. No, I don't mean that. Um, no, I know you don't mean that. Um, but can men and women be really close friends? Yes. But beware of the ambiguity that might exist. I mean, yes. I think one of my, in some senses, closest friends for 15 years was Sharon Walsh on the staff here. We would share very deeply and honestly about what was going on in our lives and how we felt uh, in an office, um, not out for dinner, uh, not one-on-one -on -one with drinks, um, but in office, when we're just chatting, how are you? Well, to be honest, it's been pretty rough because X. There's just after a long period of time, there's just an honesty there. Now, there wasn't a lot of ambiguity, 
both married, both knew the other spouses and liked the other spouses. You know, so it was a pretty safe one. So yeah, I, you know, not just projecting my examples, but yes, of course, you can be very good friends. But it is easier when you're perhaps married or older. When you're 20-something, 30, whatever, something, and single, well, there's just going to be a bit more ambiguity, all right? You've just got to be realistic on that. So yes, you can be good friends, but at some point, you, you might kindness would address that ambiguity, perhaps. I very much enjoyed reading um, uh, the Tim Keller biography that uh, Colin Hansen wrote, and um, uh, Tim Keller, the New York pastor, um, in many ways, I think probably the most had probably is this right? Probably more um, as significant a ministry as anyone since Billy Graham globally, I would imagine. Probably I, whatever that makes, doesn't neither here nor there. But um, anyway, Colin Hansen wrote a very good biography. Read it; it's very good. Uh, he's coming here on the fourth of July to be interviewed in the evening if you're interested. But um, uh, there's one lovely point early on in the biography of Keller. He's gone off to uh, theological college, and one of his friends is there, who knows uh, through a mutual friend, a certain Kathy Christie. And uh, when they arrive at theological college, Tim Keller is going out with uh, another girl, and they become very, very good friends, him and Kathy. But there's no ambiguity, because he's dating someone else. And then he finishes with this other uh, girl, and all of a sudden, well, hold on a minute, there's a bit of ambiguity here now. Because like we're really close friends. We really enjoy one another's company, and... What does that mean? And so, as some would know this, but uh, she delivered what became known in their family as the pearls before swine speech. And um, she records it in the biography. She said to Kathy Christie, said to Tim Keller, look, I can't take this anymore. Since you split up with the other girl, I've been wondering, perhaps expecting, that I might move from friend to girlfriend. I know you don't mean to be saying this, but every day you don't choose me to be more than a friend. It feels as if I've been weighed and found wanting. I feel it as a rejection. I can't keep going the same way, hoping that someday you'll want to be more than a friend. I am not calling myself a, myself a pearl, and I'm not calling you a pig. But one of the reasons Jesus told his disciples not to cast pearls before swines or pigs is because a pig can't recognize the value of a pearl. It would just look like a pebble to them. <laughs> if you can't see me as valuable to you, then I am not going to keep throwing myself into your company, hoping and hoping. I can't do it, Tim. The rejection that I perceive, whether you intend it or not, is just too painful. That's a great speech, isn't it? <laughs> um, let me just commend the use of a biblical metaphor inappropriately. Uh, um, <laughs> in uh, any sort of setting. But you see what she's saying there? Look, what's going on? Um, because you think we're just frank, I can't, there's an ambiguity here and I can't handle it. And he's like, what? <laughs> like, we're mates, aren't we? Can't we just be mates? No. Oh, all oh, right. And, and then a couple of weeks later, he went, well, let's, let's date then. And um, uh, they went on to marry and Again, I think it's the open secret in that biography that of the many, many influences upon him, his wife was the most profound and spurred him on to uh, be the man that he was. Um, can men and women be friends? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, really good. But there can be an ambiguity. Uh, well, I don't think there's an ambiguity. I just think we're mates. Yeah, well, you're daft. Um, if you've not realized that that could be an issue. So kindness would 
address that, um, perhaps. Now, sometimes it goes badly. I remember he's a university student saying to one friend, can I just clarify, we are just mates, right? As you went, get back in your league. Um, that's fine, which is fine. fine. No ambiguity. No ambiguity. Real clarity. Perhaps more clarity than I was after, but real, real clarity. Right? Okay. It's kindness. It's kindness. 1 Timothy 5, Paul would say, yeah, look, relate young men to young women as sisters and as just brothers. Yes. He doesn't say, young men, be scared of young women and run away from them. Never have them as friends. Young women, those men, they're just going to corrupt your minds. He doesn't say that. No, be friends. Relate as brothers and sisters. But at some point, there may be ambiguity. Just be kind. Those are my comments. Many people ask for them. You may not like them. Um, there it is. But forgive. Forgive where expectations are mismatched. It's normally not malicious. right? It's just you're seeing the world differently. So forgive undeservedly, proactively, repeatedly, in a manner which is costly. And last comment. Forgive because you need friends. That's what we've been saying for the whole last month. C.S. Lewis, he does write brilliantly on, on this topic. He observed, friendship is the greatest of worldly goods and the chief happiness of life. And that's from a man who, if you've ever read A Grief Observed, which is his description of losing his wife, he adored his wife. It is a stunning description of bereavement, um, profoundly helpful if you are suffering bereavement. He adored his wife. I could still say that friendship is the greatest of worldly goods and the chief happiness of life. And look, this is, isn't hard to say, if you asked me, what are the best things in life? The Lord Jesus, I know, but beyond him, what are the best things in life? I'm not going to say, Ashes cricket. Oh, I love it. I just love it. I'm not going to say, oh, sailing in a brisk wind, in a dinghy, racing against others in the sun. No, I cannot think of a greater holiday than that. I'm not going to say being in a swimming pool outdoors with a glorious vista of mountains in Italy, although that is pretty wonderful. If you ask me what's the best things in life, I'm going to give you names. People. You may marry, you may not, but you can only have one of them at a time. But friends, you can have a number. It's a rich, rich blessing. I have loads of stuff. If you ever, if you wander across the road into my office, well, please don't without my permission. But um, uh, um, I have loads of random collection of things on the walls. I think everyone's. I've been asked about every single thing I've got on my wall. I don't think anyone's ever asked me about this picture, um, which has always been on there. It's called. It's by a Norwegian painter, for what it's worth, Halfgan Egedius. It's just called Saturday Evening, and it's just two blokes at the end of Saturday night, wandering across a field, blissfully happy in one another's company. And I love it. I love it. Because I look at it and think of some, and it is a rich blessing, friendship. So even when someone wrongs you, forgive, 
are where you can and, and where they accepted and where there's reconciliation. Forgive where you can. Forgive because you should, as a Christian, certainly offer it. And when you struggle, well, you do what you do in all areas of forgiveness. You look at the Lord Jesus and you forgive as he forgave you. Look at him whose hands were pierced for you, whose head was pierced for you with a crown of thorns, whose side was pierced for you with a spear, whose, if I may put it this way, heart was pierced for you with wounds of love. Look at him forgiving you. And in that is the strength to forgive undeservedly, proactively, repeatedly. Oh, it's costly, but you can do it if you look at him. Let's pray together. Our great God and Father, we pray. Well, we pray for this month thinking about friendships in the, in the church family. We pray it'll do us much good. We pray that we'll be realistic uh, about the pursuit of friendships, uh, deliberate in having some where we live, trying to pull others into uh, the, um, uh, a place where we can share lives and be held accountable and, and speak truth. Father, we pray we'll be generous, that our friendships will be porous. We'd, we'd invite others to be our companions and hang out together. Father, we pray that such a rich gift, we won't give up on our friends because we've been hurt. Help us to forgive. The small things when people get stuff wrong, the, the larger things where we feel deeply let down. Father, help us to be those who forgive as we've been forgiven to enjoy this rich gift of friendship. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.